0: This morning, uh, as Dawn so aptly uh, lets you know, I am preaching on Ephesians chapter four. Um, I have always loved the church. I have always been a big fan of church. Um, I've said before to you that, that my dad was always frustrated with me as a teenager because I was the guy that wouldn't leave church so we could go home and go to lunch. So I was, I was the last person out of the door, even before I was paid to be the last person out the door. I've always loved the church. I've always been fascinated. But as I've followed Christ over these many years now, I realize that more and more the Lord keeps bringing me back to this issue of unity in the church. Unity in the church. For the most part, in my early days, it was really the local church. And it's still my heart the local church, the local congregation. This is where we live out the faith, it's right here. You know, uh, day in and day out. You know, who cuts the grass? Bill McRae this week did it. You know, who's locking the doors? Who's taking on the small jobs that have to be done to make the church work? Um, All those things, the slight irritations of living in close proximity to people that you, for the most part, like, except for their annoying habit that drives you crazy. That's what it means to be the family of God, and it's lived out in the local church. But beyond the local church, there's this call we have to unity in the body of Christ. The unity is... Uh, something that we talk a lot about, we talk a lot about, but we don't do a lot about. I'm just going to say that up front and say it pretty often, that uh, we talk a good talk when it comes to unity, but oftentimes our efforts fall way, way short. And it begins at the top and it works its way down, but that's the way it is. As of late I have become very passionate beyond the local congregation. You are my family. I love you guys. Um, but beyond this congregation, the, the wider calling that we have to be um, this diocesan camp that we've started, Camp Araminta. Um, it has is, it is taken on a life of its own. We're just coming off of it. Um, key leaders in the congregation um, you know, go and serve the camp. We've got uh, camp counselors here. We've got uh, count, count, you know staff that are here. We've got folks that have been involved in different ways. And and what, for me, it's becoming apparent is that God is calling me and us to also think beyond the local, to the the regional or the diocesan church. How are we building unity? How are we building up these um, young people that used to be fourth graders, like Janelle back there, and now they're, you know, high schoolers, staff people. Janelle's visiting with us from Savannah, and and, and on and on it goes. Um, I was remarking the last night, uh, I think most of you guys by now know that Jake and Paige are expecting their first child. Uh, you may not know that Tebow McCray, Bill and Emily's son, middle son, is also, he and his wife Becky are also expecting. And uh, I, made the, the, I made the expression to the staff the last night, um, nine more years until Jake and Tebow's kids can come to camp, you know? And I mean, what a, what an amazing Thing to see what the Lord's doing, not only within our local congregation, but within the wider church. But even beyond that, I feel there's been a call for me for the last few years to really press into how do we be the church of Gainesville? How do we be the church of Jesus Christ in Gainesville? That means reaching across racial lines, economic uh, styles of worship, denominational barriers, all those things that would separate us as the body of Christ, even in the city of Gainesville. Happy to report that there is progress being made on that level. And I see good things happening um, and through our Christian Passion Association. So keep praying for that. Unity is what we should be about, Paul says. I want to remind you about that. I want you to, to look with me at Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 1 to 16, because it, Paul is come to the end of his theological treaty in the first three chapters of Ephesians. And now he comes to the, 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 the ethics, if you will. How do we live it out? And Paul is very clear in Ephesians chapter 4 that it is lived out through the calling that we all have received. We all have the same calling. I know that some of you think you're called to certain ministries, and you probably are, but Paul says over and above that, we are all called to one thing. And that calling, Paul says is a call to unity. A call to be united in Christ. To understand that we have this oneness in the Lord that needs that is a reality that needs to be expressed in how we live. So what Paul says is, at the beginning, he says in verse 1, live worthy. Well, first he says, I, a prisoner of the Lord. That's what Paul's identity was. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. My life is not my own. He says, I urge you then to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you've received. To live worthy of the calling you've received. And what is the calling? Well, he says it in verse 3. It's a call to unity. Maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Again, I, I hold to the statement. We talk a good talk in the church, but we oftentimes don't do a good job of living out what it means Because this is what Paul says. He says, Here's the things, here are the four characteristics of those who will be living out this calling of unity. He says, First of all, they will all humility, verse two, and gentleness, and patience, and bearing with one another in love. It's like, Paul, come on, can we pick one of the four, right? Can we we have one of those? You know, I'm, I'm fairly good at humility, but I'm really not good at having, you know, patience with people. Can I just be humble and not? No, Paul says, this is these are the characteristics that those who have, that are pursuing this calling of unity will exemplify. Let me just tell you, I, I can tell you that it is super hard to live out this call to unity. I mean, we've been renters. We've rented property here for a long time. Now we own and we've had renters up until this week. Vineyard moved out, they've got their own building over on the the east side of town, but it is so hard. The minute you begin to, to have ownership or be a renter with a contract, all of a sudden you start saying things like, man, that's not fair. We have the right, you know, or they shouldn't have done that. And you find yourself, we all do find ourselves trying to assert our rights when it comes to other brothers and sisters in Christ. And it gets even more complicated when you get even away from the Vineyard and Aletheia and, and Newberry Christian and all these entities that we know and we're close proximity. It's, it's hard to live this. It will require humility. It will require putting others above ourselves, at times being taken advantage of or seemingly taken advantage of, not asserting our rights for the sake of unity. It'll take gentleness. Church father said, there's no characteristic that, that more exemplifies the life of our Lord Jesus than gentleness. We can, we can be so harsh with one another. Gentleness. What we say and how we interact. Patient. We, we, you know, it's amazing. We always make excuses for why we aren't where we need to be. What, what the reason is. Well, you know... Here's what's going on in my life. We 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 have the polar opposite when it comes to other people, right? But no excuses. You should have done that. You should have been there, right? You should have done more. You should have you know. And we and we we have that tendency. Patience with each other and an eagerness to love. And of course, the love here is the agape love. It's the it's the God love. The the unconditional love. The the agape year love, right? Karen's waving his hands up to go on the agape year trip, where that the eagerness to love unconditionally without response, to people who may not be lovely and may not even say thank you when we go and serve them. That's that eagerness to love. Paul says, if you are truly pursuing the call of unity, you will pursue these four characteristics. So tough. Tough to live out. Proud of this congregation, though. We, we, we know that's the, we know what that's about. And, and that's why we, we call ourselves servants of Christ. Strangely enough, not a very popular name for churches. The only other Servants of Christ Church I knew was the one that Beth Kirby's uh, dad, Ann Shower's, uh husband, was the pastor of. And, and the first thing that, that uh, another group did was change the name, right? So, but, uh, but we've taken that name on because that is so essential to understanding the call of discipleship, to be those who pursue unity, that serve rather than being served is to, to pursue these things. So Paul says, the reason we do that is because we are in unity. I would use my podium, but it's covered with a, a pirate ship um, wheel. So I thought it might be distracting more than normal. So, so I'm not using it, so that's why I'm holding my stuff. But why, Paul says, why unity? We hear a lot, you know, unity, we're all one. Lots of football, uh, Super Bowl commercials about being together. But what are we united around? Unity for unity's sake is... Empty, it's it's nowhere. What are we united in? We're united in Christ. Christ is our unity. What does Paul say? He says, this oneness we share, that's the motivation, that's the theological reason why we should pursue unity. You know, we can't just have, I can't just have Jesus all to myself. You can't have all Jesus all to yourself. Isn't that sort of a, a, a modernist, though, understanding of sort of the faith, you know? my Jesus, my relationship with Jesus, but to be in Christ is to be bound together in oneness with others in Christ. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, one hope that we share. Paul gives the the church at Ephesus almost a a pre-credal statement there of this is the essentials of what we believe in and all of it because of our, our, our God who is Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, because of Jesus' incarnation, who's brought us together, we've become a part of his body. We are one in Christ. We share one faith. In other words, one salvation in Christ. One understanding of the, the essence of our faith. One baptism. We've been baptized into Christ. The Holy Spirit has made us one with Christ. And if I'm one with Christ, and you're one with Christ, then we're one with each other. That is our reality. So it's no wonder that the enemy wants to divide us. Wants to have Christians hate each other and talk about each other and live in silos that never connect and have nothing to do with each other. And we're okay with that, even within our own congregation sometimes. Because we're denying the reality that we are one in Christ. Paul says. Now Paul's favorite metaphor for the church, there are 96 different metaphors the scriptures use to talk about the church. That's how important it is. 96 different metaphors. Not all Paul, some are some of the things that, that, that John says and Peter says, but, and the gospels, but all of these images are come forth. But the one that Paul is most keen on is the image of the body of Christ, the, the body. I think because Paul's a practical guy. We all have a body, so we can relate to it. Paul uses that that metaphor over and over again, and he wants us to see that that we are all a body, but in that body we have different members. We, We serve in different ways. This is talking about things like Romans chapter 8 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where they list the different the different gifts that are given to the members of the body. That's all a part of this idea, that the metaphor that Paul builds up, that we're the body. But here's the here's the big, the big thing Paul's getting across: we are unified as a body, but we are not uniform. We're unified, but we're not uniform. One of the hardest things when you begin to think about, well, what is what is Alex talking about? Is he talking about like getting with other churches and it's just you know they worship, you know they. Some people complain because we, we take an hour and a half for church normally. Uh, some people complain because we only take an hour and a half for church, right? Um, there's quick church and there's long church and then there's Anglican church somewhere in the middle. So, you know. But um, we don't have to be uniform. You know, we can we can worship in different ways, and different peoples will be drawn to different local congregations. We will be different, but yet we are called to unity. Unity, the church history, it's passed down this phrase: unity in the essentials, in the things that matter, the things that Paul's talking about: one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all. These are the things that should unite us. And and despite the fact that maybe they worship for two and a half hours, or they worship for sixty minutes, uh, should not, or their music style is different, or their Decisions about other smaller, less essential things should not keep us from being unified in the body. Are we watching our mouths? Are we, are we careful about the thoughts we have towards other Christian groups? Paul says we are one body with different groups. Here's the, the second point. The first point is that the calling is to pursue unity the second point is that we have all been given as gifts to the body to build it up. If there's one lie that the church in the modern age believed, and preachers preached against it, but yet that they lived it, it's this idea that there are special, there's a special class of Christians known as professionals who do all the building up, who do all the work of ministry, and you do the paying for it. You know, you laity, you lay around, right? You just kinda you come, you show up, you put out money and you go back home. And that's a lie because Paul says each of us is given as gifts to the church. And he gets into this elaborate turnaround where Paul he quotes Psalm sixty eight. He talks about the psalmist, where the psalmist is describing a, a king who has conquered, and he has all these captives that he's taken, all these all this loot, all this booty that he's carried away from his, his treasure, and he's brought it back. See, I'm tying in VBS, and and he brings it back, and then he gives all those those gives all those uh, possessions, all those gifts. He gives it to his people, and 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 Paul says in the same way. Our king came to earth and has returned in the ascension to heaven and now he's the victorious king and he has gifts and he's given them to all people. And we are those gifts, Paul wants to say. Yes, prophets and apostles and teachers and, and evangelists and pastors are important. They equip the church for the work of ministry. But it is the church, it's each of you who does the work of ministry. You build up the church simply by your being here. Broke my heart a few years ago, dear sister in Christ. She came to me and she said, Alex, it doesn't really matter if I'm in church or not. Nobody's gonna notice. She was rather quiet, introverted, and totally missed her value to the body of Christ. And if I told you her name, you would be shocked. You'd say, no, that person is essential. But oftentimes, we don't know the essentialness of each of us. Paul says, we individually have been given a portion, a measure of the gift. And I don't think that means, like, Tony's been given you know, a pound, and, you know, Tim's been given three pounds, and Alex's been given six ounces. It's not that sort of, it's that the Spirit has, has displayed on us a gift for the body, meant to build it up. You don't know what a blessing it is when I see you guys here not just because I'm the pastor and because nobody wants to preach to an empty room you're a blessing to me when I see you in, in countless ways I could spend the rest of the day talking about each of you and the ways that you bless me by being here and but it's not just for me you bless each other by your presence because you're one in Christ with these who are your brothers and sisters And the the reality is that as you come together, the Lord has put in each of you differing gifts to be a blessing to this body. So we're built up. You know what my most important job is? The most important thing I do is introduce you guys and step back. Help you get together, learn, you know, connect each other and then step back and let the Holy Spirit do what he does. There was a time when David and Jose did not know each other. And believe it or not, I had to really work to get those guys connected. Can you imagine David and Jose not knowing each other? They're sitting by each other on the pew right now. But there was a time, right, Jose, when, when he was resistant. He, I'm going to put him on the spot. He was resistant to this David guy. Who's this David guy? You know, I, I, got, I got this. This is, you know. I do the IT around here, you know, kind of thing, so, but, but that's, that is what, that is the way the enemy works to keep us divided, and that is why it's so essential. We are the gifts the Lord has given. I think there's too much, probably, emphasis on our spiritual gifts, and not enough emphasis that we are the gifts for the body to one another, and you're each essential parts I just say, the thing I'm most concerned about with like mega churches, really big churches, is that people can come and simply be unknown entities. You know, who come and get something and leave and never get a chance to express the gift that they are in the body of Christ. Now, I will say that many mega churches have vehicles for that. They have small groups, they have other programs that, that break the, the body down so they can do that in places. I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to fight against the unity in the body. I mean, I want, I want to preach what I, I want to say and do what I, what I'm, I want to be consistent here. But, but that's the biggest concern, that if we simply come and think it's just about us getting something rather than giving something. That is what Paul is saying, that this unity is a gift that we all have to be working on. We have to be exercising these characteristics, which are always challenging, gentleness Humility, patience, eagerness to love, we, we must also know that we have been given a gift that we are to invest and build up one another. Anybody that's been a Christian along long any length of time can list just a, a, a host of people that have blessed them and encouraged them and been a part of their spiritual growth. Some of them probably don't even know it, you know? And yet you're there. If you're there, you're being a blessing. Well, just to wrap this up, let me, let me say, the other thing that Paul says at the end is that, that speaking the truth in love. Now, it's funny because oftentimes, you know, there used to be a, a comedian that said, that if nobody ever says, I need to share something in love with you, whatever comes next is not going to be in love. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Can I share something in love with you? jaw you know gut you know get you right in the gut it's like man that didn't feel like love to me you know because it wasn't said in humility and gentleness and patience and eager to love but paul says we are to be truthing literally the word in greek is a verb truthing there's so much falseness there's so much lying deception and oftentimes we bring it into the church we're not truthful with people if there's any place where truth should be spoken, it's in the church. Southerners aren't great at that by normal. I'm an exception. I like to tell the truth, you know, but, but most, and that's why I irritate some Southerners because I'm too, too forthright. You know, you didn't beat around the bush enough. But, but truth thing, we need to be truthing with each other. The things that have caused me to grow the most in my Christian life, have been people that have spoken truth to me sometimes hard truth but said with gentleness humility and patience and eagerness to love we need to be truthing with each other we need to be sharing those things which build up and we need to be receptive to hear it now this uh, let me just uh, application this this is not meant to simply be soc this is not this is the place of training. And and there should be even greater grace because we love each other and we trust each other and we, we've got commonality with each other. So there should be even greater grace and, and patience with one another. But this should be where we learn it. But it should go beyond the borders of this church. There sh- we should be examining ways to love. Next year, you know, things like National Day of Prayer and uh, a men's conference that we're going to be doing in 2019 with other local churches. If you participate in those things, there will be opportunities for you to extend that unity, that call to unity beyond the borders. Can I challenge you to do that? Don't just get caught up in what you are, what's different about you and this other Christian you know at work or neighbor or... But can you find the unity and recognize that we are called to, to live that out, to live worthy of that by how we interact with those people? It's so hard, you know. You, your plate's full, and, and people visit the church, and you think, ah, eh, you know, gosh, one more person. And then it, you know these students, they come and then they leave, and they break our hearts, you know. And and yet, and yet the unity. The call to unity is to say we reach out. Whether it's for a year or for ten years or a lifelong relationship. Because again, this this call to, to build up the body. You guys can have a profound effect, even if a person comes for one year to service of Christ, their life could be profoundly affected for the kingdom of God. Let alone if we get them for three or four years through college. We have to change our mindset. It's like, wow. Well, yeah, but they're going to leave. Yeah, they're going to leave and go be the body of Christ someplace else. And we get to be a part of that. Amen, right? That's what Paul's calling us to. It is the work of the Spirit, always and forever. So one camp story, you know I had to throw us a camp story in uh, before I ended. So um, there's a camper that the, the camper staff will know, Lenora. Lenora, 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 Lenora. see they all know her. And Lenora is, uh, she's an extra grace required kid, she's got some behavioral issues that make it tough and, and whatnot. But I had a chance this year to sit in on Father Chris Klukas, a priest from Middleburg, as he did the Body of Christ talk in the community discipleship group. And, and um, I'm sitting next to Leonora and she, and Chris is pulling out tools out of a toolbox. And he keeps holding them up and says, if I want to screw in a screw, do I use this hammer? And the, some kids say yes and some kids say no, which you'll also preach, you know? Sometimes we, we're a hammer and we think everything's a nail, you know, in the Body of Christ and that's not always true. Um, but he, but he keeps going through that, and the point of his, his object lesson talk is that, you know, what's the most important tool? He asked the question, what's the most important tool? And what he wants the kids to say is, well there is no most important tool, we're all important. Depends on the job, God uses us all. Leonora says something different. She says quietly, to where only I and a couple other people can hear it, she says, the most important tool is the toolbox. and I just wanted to cry (laughs) I mean I just wanted to cry because the Holy Spirit said she's right the most important tool is the toolbox it's the church it's the toolbox because the toolbox is what carries the tools around so that the work that needs to be done can be done man out of the mouths of babes that Is what Paul is saying we are the toolbox we are the church and we need to embrace this call to unity and actively work make it priority to live in such a way that we build up and we acknowledge that unity let's pray father thank you for this body Lord thank you for what you're doing thank you that we're not clergy centric Lord that there are Lay leaders empowered to do the building up and the ministry. So, Lord, but we we pray that we would rest in that, that we would we would push out and seek to to build unity with the body of the church in Gainesville, Lord. And that we would invest in each and every person, no matter what age that you bring to us, Lord, for for whatever time, short or long, that you bring them, Lord. May we may see the the, the their part in your toolbox, Lord, in your your church Lord give us ears to hear we thank you for that in Christ's name Amen